You're listening to the IBC Podcast, your international baseball career guide. Play ball! Now, here's your host, David Burns. This episode is brought to you by Sam Bat. Sam Bat has been the sponsor of the podcast since early 2015. They were the first ones on board. I swing Sam Bats myself and I thoroughly enjoy them. So whether you're a club looking for a team order or an individual looking for a change and you want to learn more about Sam Bats or want to put a Sam Bat in your hand, you can visit baseballjobsoverseas.com forward slash Sam Bat. This episode is brought to you by 3N2 where you can customize your team from head to toe, everywhere from uniforms to bags to hoodies to cleats, you name it. Also, for any individual baseball or softball product needs, you can contact the International Baseball Community, where we carry a variety of 3N2 products from turfs to trainers to cleats, pants, performance wear, umpire apparel, batting gloves and bags, you name it, we got it here. So give us a shout, or you can visit the website, baseballjobsoverseas.com forward slash 3N2. This episode is brought to you by Pocket Radar, in particular the ball coach, which we're now offering in Europe and Australia through the international baseball community. What I enjoy about it is the small size of it. It's quite a bit smaller than your iPhone. Uh, Also, uh, if you were to do a little research on it, it has a four and a half star rating on Amazon, and that's mostly due to its accuracy. Uh, You can compare it to some of the major radar guns out there, and it's just as accurate. You can check out their YouTube video as well, which demonstrates that. It's easy to use and super user-friendly. You just throw it in your pocket, bring it with you to practice or to the game or on road trips, wherever you will need it. So if you're a coach or a club in Australia or Europe and you want to pick one up or learn more about it, you can head to www.baseballjobsoverseas.com forward slash pocket radar. Hey guys, I'm back and it's episode number 65 and this time I'm very excited to have Ryan Sherman on the podcast. Ryan spent the last nine seasons playing winter baseball in Australia, in Perth to be specific. What I really like about his story is that he comes from a minor league background. Uh, He played about seven years in the minors and another five or so in independent baseball before realizing that uh, he wanted to take his game overseas. Uh, very interesting story that led into cricket, um, a number of life-changing experiences for him that I will not spoil here. I'll let him tell you all about it. Uh, so without further ado, let's get on with this podcast episode interview with Ryan Sherman. Ryan, welcome to the podcast. David, thank you for having me. So we've uh, I've heard your name around the baseball circles in Europe. Uh, we've connected recently, and you have quite the overseas uh, experience and a story to tell. Um, maybe we can start with your background in baseball, and then from there, um, what made you decide to take your career overseas and how that came about? Sounds good. David, it's, let me just start with saying it's been a very fun, interesting, adventurous ride to get to where I am today. And if it wasn't for overseas baseball, I wouldn't be living here in Germany and, again, be in the position and have the people in my life that I have today. So it's been a a true blessing. Um, As far as my background goes, um, I was a 10th-round draft pick by the Braves out of high school and played in the Braves organization for a few years before moving on to the Cincinnati Reds organization. Um, And then I went and played independent baseball in the Atlantic League. 
and sort of had a breakout season. And obviously playing in that league gave me an opportunity at the age of 24 to play against older guys, more experienced players. And so um, for me to be able to compete with those guys, um, yeah, I turned my career around. And uh, the St. Louis Cardinals signed me and sent me to Double A. So I played a year in, year in the Cardinals organization. Unfortunately, I suffered an injury, a broken wrist, while um, sacrifice bunting. And I ended up uh, the following year, you know, back in independent baseball again. Um, I just lost a feel for some of my pitches, etc. Um, but so here I am playing the Atlantic League, and I did find my my groove, I guess you could say, and. At the age of 28, and after putting up some really great years, at the age of 28 years old, I finally realized, I woke up and said, listen, I don't want to float in this league the rest of my life, so it's time to take my career overseas. Mm-hmm. And I had a friend of mine, a, a guy named Steve Fish, who had played in Australia a few years before that. Steve Fish uh, was previously the head coach of the Perth Heat and, is, and the player development manager for Baseball WA. Um, and Steve got me down there, what, nine or ten years ago and um, connected me with some, some teams. And and there I was. I ended up in, in Perth, Australia. And I had never flown that long in an airplane in my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it just we just kept going and going. And I was, it, was, it was pretty amazing um, and, and exciting. I mean, super exciting. So... Um, yeah, I ended up in Perth and and uh, yeah, playing state league. I got involved with junior coaching, which was a lot of fun. They gave me like a, a uh, an under fifteens team. I had never really coached uh, that much before, so that was a big learning experience that I that I really enjoyed. But as far as the state league season went, um, you know, I pretty much I did my thing and I went. 11 and one with like a one something ERA. So I won the the league MVP. They call that the president's medal. Mm-hmm. Um, so that really created a name for myself. And then to piggyback that, you know, I was doing a pretty good job at passionately coaching the junior kids sort of had a natural knack for it. Um, and I was applying some of the, some of the, the current um, pitching philosophies that were happening with some of the players, say Ron Wolferth from the Texas Baseball Ranch. Most guys know who, who he is and a lot of Tom House stuff. Um, and again, a lot of my own personal experiences. So all that combined was a, a pretty good uh, formula for me to coach kids, and I was getting really great results with it. So, yeah, the following year, um, I went back to, to Gosnell's. That's where I was playing state league at Gos- for the Gosnell Hawks. And they brought me back the following year, but and again, I was on a sport visa, so instead of taking the working holiday visa, they put me on a, a sport visa, and and it just continued to trickle. Um, another team had contacted me; a better opportunity came about, so I changed clubs. Uh, it was a, a better, it was a position to gain a little bit more financially and position myself a little bit better, a little bit closer to the beach, mm-hmm. which was which was amazing. I had to change the scenery, so. Yeah, it was good, um, and really started digging into player development. So the I went to Korean Baseball Club, and they were always known for producing some of the best 
um, young talent, and they currently weren't a state league club. They they competed in the provincial league, but they had. I mean, some of their junior players were guys like Liam Hendricks. He's a big league pitcher with the uh, Oakland A's. Um, you know, and there's a few other guys floating around the minor leagues, but. Yeah, long story short, um, you know, I, uh, playing state league, I got into a head coaching position, so I went from a playing import to a head coach. So I became a head coach at Kareen, and then later I left Kareen to be the state league coach at Wembley, where I was the head coach there for three years for the Wembley Magpies. And we've had a lot of success. Um, and along that timeline, I became... You know, I got um, hired into baseball WA as a state coach, so I got to got to be promoted and rewarded for all the the work I was doing um, as far as development goes, and that just created more opportunities for me as well. So that continued to snowball. So being a state coach, being a head coach, to then as the ABL, the Australian Baseball League, started again, it was sort of non-existent for. Yeah. 10 or 15 years and they brought it back so the first year of the abl back in 2011 mm-hmm. i believe yeah uh, the perth heat hired me as a pitching coach mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which was sweet so um, i got to be a part of that and they won the australian baseball league championship that year yeah. so it was a lot of fun it was a fun ride and and then um you know yeah i got a few phone calls from the western australian cricket association and they got an opportunity to completely getting into something new so i don't know if you want me to touch on that but <laughs> well that is interesting that is part of your story so yeah I'd, I'd, I'd like to hear on that um yeah actually let's go there now so we don't forget to go back because that's interesting as a baseball player i'm just trying to understand why the cricket association would be interested in you uh since you've never played cricket in your life so sure so the western australian cricket association contacted the perth heat and asked if there was somebody who they could send over to talk about power throwing, enhancing throwing mechanics. So I was the guy for the job. I was, you know, I was in the right place at the right time, to be honest with you. And I, I went over there and spent uh, spent a whole day working with their athletes. And I had a huge panel of coaches standing around me the whole time. So it's that was a lot of fun. You know, yeah. these these guys are. They're taking in every word you say, analyzing it. Um, and the head coach there, Justin Langer, he he's an Australian great. You know, he's, he used to be an opening batsman for the national um, test cricket team. And when he was playing back in the day, they had a coach. They had a guy named Mike Young, who's an American guy, baseball guy, who was their fielding coach. And he made a big impact bringing baseball um, tactics type of coaching into the game of cricket and it really it really made the team better and this the head coach Justin Langer he really liked the concept of that so because I did such a good job that day my first day over at the WACA he kept asking me mate that was sensational would you like to come back we'd love to have you come back and I said you bet and you should see this, some of the stadiums that they play in. It's, oh, yeah. it's like being on a big league field. Yeah. You know, the grass is just perfect carpet. It's, it's amazing. And these guys train their butts off and were really open to everything I had to say. So it made it a lot of fun for me. 
And I said, yeah, I'd love to keep coming back. And, and so I did. And after about five or six other sessions with them, uh, he said, we'd like to get you more involved. Are you interested? And I said, you bet. To be honest with you, as much as I love baseball, um, it was a breath of fresh air for me. Um, it was something new. Um, I felt like I had an opportunity to make it to the big leagues again, but it was in another sport. Yeah. Well, also to, <laughs> but, to maybe change a, a, a national sport in some way or to help improve it and develop it and um, just be a part of cricket history in a way. For sure. That's interesting. For, yeah. for sure. I had an opportunity to make an impact with with some of the best cricket players around the world. These guys are playing in the, the Indian Premier League. Um, they're playing on national teams. Um, and these guys are making a lot of money to get played. They, they pay very well in cricket. So they um, they offered me a contract. They brought me on as a, a throwing um, specialist, fielding and throwing specialist, like a fielding consultant. And it just um, it just took off from there. So, again, they had the T20 Big Bash League. I had a great time being in their little dugouts while those were going on and and being down on the field during those games, there's 20,000, 30,000 people in the stands, and it was exciting. Oh, that is cool. No, that's just, you know, I, lo- I love that story, and that, I'm glad you shared it because these are the kind of things that overseas baseball can lead to, just something out of out of the blue, out of, out of left field. Uh, no pun intended there, but uh, no. you know what I mean? So it's I, I just... Whenever uh, I come across a story like that, I definitely want to share it on the podcast. Um, so you're coming from a background of how many years of professional baseball before you decided to go overseas? I was currently in about my 11th season of professional baseball when I first started going mm-hmm. to Australia. And I continued to come back and forth. I pitched for about three years around full years. Um in between Australia baseball and pitching in the Atlantic League. So I played 14 years of professional baseball. And I actually played a year in the Golden League mm-hmm. in Canada, up in Calgary. Yep. And and like, let me tell you, it was a ball fly there. <laughs> <laughs> yep. um, you know, I didn't have that good of a year. And, um, yeah, I just decided it was time for something else. And, um, you know, really started again trying to create more opportunities for myself and network um in australia so i just i gave up baseball in the u.s in the northern you know in in north america i should say yeah and really focused on on creating something and building something in australia which again started to happen again with the perth heat and then the cricket thing landed and um you know for anybody that's considering playing or going overseas again like we would we would both agree and like you said these type of things can happen mm-hmm. if you if you do the right things if you passionately again passionately do the right things and uh, and network you know you got to network and you never know what can happen you know whether if it's cricket it could be it could be other sports as well um, and again if you're lucky enough I mean maybe you find uh, a girlfriend over there it becomes your wife and you have kids and maybe you end up living in australia so there's lots life will throw you lots of curveballs and um it's just a matter of how you're gonna you're gonna buckle or you're gonna stay back and and hit it out of the park (laughs) yeah and i like how you touched on you know you do have to do things with with passion and uh it's not just about being at the right place at the right time but also being the right person um at the right time uh i you know we do get a combination of of 
characters that come overseas and some guys grab the bull by the horns, some guys uh, will take the initiative, uh, and then some guys will kind of, you know, just sit back and do their own thing, but not really be too proactive at, you know, developing those relationships and, uh, you know, maybe volunteering some of their time or doing what it takes to kind of, you know, impress some people. And um, and I'm sure you were one of those guys uh, that, uh you know, they don't just hand over positions to you suddenly just because of your experience. I think you need to have the right work ethic and the right passion and, and the right personality to to have some of these opportunities or to be in a position for some of these opportunities to present themselves. Yeah. If you didn't, if you weren't like that, you probably wouldn't have got the job with the Perth Heat. And if you didn't have the job with the Perth Heat, you wouldn't have that opportunity uh, with the cricket. So, uh, you know, I, I like to always touch on on that point uh whenever we get into these conversations on the podcast definitely i i would agree that it takes um it's it's not for everybody going overseas um they're not going to pay you as much as you make in indie ball indie ball not that you make a lot of money in indie ball anyways but um it's just a matter of how much time you want to put into it again i did i had day jobs i had cash jobs i had random jobs from brick paving <laughs> to mowing lawns to being a cleaner in a in a meat market yeah well to, yeah, yeah. believe it or not to um to again crushing as many daily lessons out as i could so school would end school would end around two or three o'clock for those kids and i would take on two or three lessons a day i was literally at the baseball field seven days a week yeah and it was because I chose to be, you know. Yeah. yeah. And for all that hard work and the passion that I had for it, I, again, it, it created a name for myself. It allowed me to to grow, and it led to bigger and better things for me down the road. Yeah. Well, that's why I find your story interesting too. Is is the majority of the guys that um, you know that end up going to Australia or Europe or overseas um, through through my website often are are the ones that, uh, you know, didn't have that professional background or fresh out of college or maybe they played a year in the Pecos League. But um, it's rare that you, you know, I hear of guys uh, that had your background that then go over there and then enjoy the experience to the point where they, you know, because a lot, not a lot of them are, you know, I guess there's a lot of pride involved too where they, you know, they feel like, okay, this is a lower level of baseball. It's more like a men's league. Uh, I have to go work. They're not paying me a salary, and, and they're just too proud to, to, to do that. Um, so, you know, did you find, like, you were one of the few that with that kind of background doing that? And, and you know, what was your experience with that? Did you struggle with that at all, or, or were you just excited to be still playing baseball while also, you know, experiencing new culture and, and whatnot? That's a good question. I mean, definitely when I went over there my first year, everything was new, the new culture. Um, and to be honest, no, I, I didn't make initially make the money that I had hoped. But again, there are lots of things you, cre- you can create from that, um, doing, doing lessons. You can run camps. And the clubs will look after you. They're not going to just leave you out. On a you know on the side street or whatever they'll they'll give you accommodation they'll make sure you got some transportation um, it's a lot of fun so it's a really a matter of and it's an option do you want to work part time during the days if I was somebody going over there I would say do it because it's going to give you more money in your pocket do lessons um, but every year got you know yeah every year got better and 
And yeah, Dave, it's been good. It's been a good experience to get where I am now. Exactly. Yeah. No, and it, I, I just wanted to touch on that because I do find that you know the odd guy that does sign up for my website um, and and has that extensive background in the miners sometimes um, you know they they expect to be kind of treated a little bit differently than maybe the college guy and um, it, usually their first question is you know how much are they paying and as soon as I say well you might you know you might have to work in Australia or you might have to coach then they don't even respond <laughs> you know sure. like I'm too good for that and, and you know I think some people just kind of need to realize that you know if this is your option you, you know if you can go you know if you feel like you're at the end of your baseball career and you're 28 years old and you want to continue in baseball overseas is a legit option option but you you're going to need to come over and establish yourself first and and maybe you know work laying bricks or whatever the case is so, yeah um, definitely definitely and if you're somebody new going over there again they'll take They'll pay for your flights. They'll take care of your accommodation, make sure you have transportation. And I would say somebody who's out of college, they might not get a lot of money to start with. But the experience, you know, again, you got to go over there with an open mind. I mean, you got the beach. You've got Australian girls, good-looking girls down there. So you're going to have a good time going out, chasing it around. Yeah, um, doing lessons, playing baseball, which is a it's a college league. It's a it's a very competitive yeah. league. Yeah. Um, and they like to banter too, so it's there's a little bit of trash talking in every league, which is fun, but it's all respectable. Um, but as somebody with that has coaching experience, again, and I'll just flat out say it, they pay coaches anywhere from eight to twelve grand to be a head coach for a season. Mm-hmm. You can you can get that if you have if you've got that on your resume. And for me, you know, when I went over there, I had never been a head coach. I just started coaching junior baseball, so it was something that I had to to build on. You know, you got to you got to do the work. You got to build your resume. You got to gain the experience in it, and then you become a junior coach to a head coach. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so you had an opportunity to not only go play, but an opportunity to build your coaching resume, which is which is massive. Yeah, and I think you can advance through the overseas ranks quite quickly as a coach. Like you can start with basically no coaching background, uh, with the right passion and, and work ethic. I think you can really work your way up to a Perth Heat position or a Western Australian de- uh, development position or whatever the case is. Using Owen Reed as an example, uh, he, he similarly yeah. did the same thing. He started off in Austria, where I am, second division. Uh, you know and made his way over to Australia eventually and, and then into the Perth Heat organization and now he's you know, he's over in well, actually last I spoke to him I'm he's not even sure where he's in Singapore. He, he is he he's still in Singapore? Singapore, yeah. So uh, I mean he's uh, uh, yeah, he, he he's got an amazing story himself and I've had him on the podcast a few few times. But it all stems with just getting your feet wet coaching and if if you have the right, you know, personality for it and, and uh, patience for it and um, the right desire, you can work your way up quite fast. So, definitely, yeah. and I know Owen personally as well. And I remember when he f- first arrived in Australia, and we played against each other, and we battled, and mm-hmm. we had a lot of good times. And definitely, Owen's Owen's story is a unique one in itself. And and he worked his way, like you said, up into the Perth Heat. Um, and now he's because of his international experience, he is now the director of the Hit Factory in Singapore. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, so he—it's all about who you know. And again, when you're playing baseball overseas, 
network um, opportunities come up. It's just a matter of uh, where you're at and if you want to jump on it or not. So, so you spent a total of nine seasons in uh, winters or Australian summers. Uh, yeah, in Australia, all in Western Australia. Um, yeah. Maybe we can touch base since you obviously have probably have the most knowledge of anybody I've had on the podcast about state league baseball in Australia. Um, can you describe the league level play a little bit for anyone that's listening and and you know basically coming from the Atlantic League for example to Western Australia? You know what were the major you know differences that you noticed and and um, yeah any way you can describe it would be helpful. I mean, definitely, the league's competitive. There's um, you've got Division One players playing there. You've got guys that are Australian who have gone away to college or have played minor league baseball. You know, and they end up finding finding themselves back in Australia, and they're playing in these leagues. So, you know, if you're good enough to play minor league baseball, it's competitive. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you throw on. Um, you know the club atmosphere and the it's a tighter the, the teams that you play are are a tighter unit mm-hmm. you know it's not all about themselves it's about the team yeah. which is pretty cool and it's on man it's a battle yeah you yeah. I mean you see the occasional bench clearing brawl it happens yeah um, but it's it's fun the, the club experience it opened my eyes to it made the game fun again. And as a pitcher going overseas, I mean, I was playing outfield. I hadn't hit in, ten, in nine or ten years. I hadn't <laughs> yeah. swung a bat, but I found myself playing in the outfield, you know, taking BP, but saying, you know, and, and crushing the ball and yeah. finding myself in the lineup because I was better than that than that eighth or ninth guy. Um, and I was having fun doing it. So for me, it was a breath of fresh air again. And, and you had a chance to really be all you could be. Yeah. Um, as a dual guy, as a pitcher, and, and and as a player going overseas, if you are a dual guy, if you can pitch and swing the bat and play in the field, that it brings a lot of value to oh, yeah. to that, mm-hmm. and it would put you on um, a top of the list and make you a priority to bring over. So anybody listening to this, I mean, any pitchers that can swing it. Like get on it, you can do it, and it's a lot of fun. And vice versa, um, <laughs> anyone that can swing it that has some experience pitching, you know, often sure. can can you know teams are looking for that as well. So definitely, yeah. But it was a great atmosphere. Um, mm-hmm. Again, after the after the games, I had never experienced this in pro ball, but after the games, guys are hanging out, both the teams, and there's there's club people and fans that come out and watch. Everybody's hanging out, having a couple beers. Um, and then they have post-game speeches. So they'll have the head coaches from each side talk about the game, um, the different players, you know, who were the highlights. Um, and it was really cool. And it, it, always, it always ended in, um, you know, a real friendly um, atmosphere. And, wow. you know, everybody likes a couple cold beers after yeah. a, a doubleheader. Yeah. And it gets hot down there, too. Definitely hot. So those, those cold beers taste pretty good. <laughs> you know, that, that, I find that that's the first time I heard that though about the post game speeches like as the two teams yeah. together kind of get together and the two coaches kind of talk about it wow after the game after the game's finished um, say the players hit the showers um, 
Yeah, they bring all the people who are who are at the game, probably 15, 20 minutes after the game finishes, and everybody stands around, you yeah. know, and the yeah. two coaches speak. Like the club president from the home team will thank everybody for coming down, um, have his say about the game, or maybe the games that happen throughout the day because you've got – You've got um, two or three different levels of men men's leagues happening. Mm-hmm. So you've got um, your state league. You've got your triple A's, which are your reserves. Mm-hmm. You've got um, your double A's and your single A's. And, you know, your single A's and your D grades are – these are guys that they don't want to train. Um, they have jobs. They have families. They just want to play for love of the game. Mm-hmm. So they come down in the morning and they play. And then these guys hang out in the afternoons. They help out around the club. They're cooking burgers, helping out in the canteen. And then the stately games, the last one of the day or the last two games of the day. And so, yeah, the club presidents will talk about the games, which is pretty neat to hear about some of the highlights. Um, and then the two head coaches talk. So yeah. it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty, it's a great experience. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's, it sounds fairly similar to, to that in, to here in Europe as well, where it's well, not it's pretty much after every home game the other team will stick around for a bite to eat and a burger and a beer or two and you chat about the game and um so it's it's, it's a whole different thing um and i think a lot of the the um community aspect of it and the passion that goes into the club as a player um has a lot to do with the fact that you know these guys are yeah actually paying to play a lot of them probably (laughs) paying a membership they're volunteers they help out with the club whether it's field maintenance or running the bar for you know their their a grade team when they're playing or whatever the case is or um you know i think they they all put a lot of you know blood sweat and tears into the organization and um you know therefore a, a little extra passion comes out of it and a little more community comes out of it and um i feel like that's just the. That's what kind of makes it a tight knit kind of uh, you know experience for somebody that's maybe coming from pro ball in the states, where you know you kind of come do your job and then you go home, <laughs> you know, and, and and there it's it's just a little different. So that's um, that's an aspect of it that I think it's really hard to understand unless you're there, uh, unless you experience it. Definitely, and again, as an import. You'll normally coach a junior games or be a junior coach, and they'll play on a Saturday, especially in Perth. They'll play their junior games on a Saturday, and the men's will play on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, and you'll have your junior your junior teams come and, and watch on a Sunday, and their families. So it's um, it's a pretty neat atmosphere, and there's a lot of effort. There's a lot of people that like volunteer their time. You know, they they passion they they have a huge passion for the game. When I was at Kareem, we used to have to put up our home run fence ourselves. So yeah. there'd be a truck and a trailer, and we would, you know, we would have the lines marked where the fence goes. And we'd have to stick the fence into the ground all the way around. Yeah. And then after the day, we'd take the fence down. So yeah. that's just one example of before. Yeah. part of the operations. That's not always the case. It just depends on what club you're at. Um, yeah. And sometimes. As a pitcher, I mean, you're going to have to pitch on an artificial mound. Mm -hmm. So that's a funny thing, too. That was an eye-opener for me. Um, Not every field has a dirt mound. And some of the baseball fields are actually played on football ovals, Australian football, like footy ovals. And they'll have to, you know, they'll make some cutouts. 
Sometimes I don't have cutouts, but they'll have the lines marked. They'll have the bases pegged in, and they'll have a fiberglass portable mount in the middle. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like playing street basketball. Yeah. Um, but but then again, there are some clubs that are really nice, and and they've got great facilities and cutouts and and all that. So mm-hmm. it's fun. Every weekend's a new adventure and a new experience, and you just gotta roll with it. Yeah. It is what it is, and you know everybody's got to play on it. But the bases are ninety feet. The pitching mound sixty feet six inches. Yeah, yeah. home plate, and, and it's on. It's well, I, love, I love your attitude towards it, and you do have to just roll with it. And and I feel like a lot of guys would have that right frame of mind. But it's important that I think anyone interested in going over there knows these things because some guys don't have the right attitude coming into a situation like that. And and maybe we'll show up and just go, oh my god, <laughs> and and uh, you know and. I feel like as as somebody coming in, you should be an ambassador of the game, and and you should you should enjoy the fact that they're doing this for the love of the game, and it's not even their national sport, and they're there, you know, working day and night, and and um, you know, it's that's what's for me. I find interesting about it, and uh, you know, uh, but I guess not everybody thinks the same that way. So um, so it's refreshing to hear that. A guy coming from a number of years of playing minor league and independent baseball can come in and um, appreciate um, what sure. they do just to play the game. Um, you know, so so that's pretty cool. I would say at the lower levels, um, you know, they don't know everything about the game. But in the state league, yeah, I've had I had such a great time, and that's what kept me coming back was the the people, the Australians. They know how to play baseball. They know the, the the unwritten rules of the game, mm-hmm. um, and it's important for anybody to go over there. And I tell it to all the guys I recommend: when you go over there, number one, you got to have an open mind, but number two, you got to have integrity and you got to do the right thing. Don't go over there and think that you know everything, yeah, because you're just going to get you know people are, are not going to like it it's going to rub people the wrong way yeah these these guys these australians some of their high performance programs are top notch mm-hmm. you know they're learning from the best college programs in the US they send guys over to to uh to spring training yeah. you know so they're picking up um some of the best philosophies so they they know how to play baseball definitely they know how to play ba- yeah. play baseball very good and to teach it and um but anybody going over there be a good club person. Um, do the right thing. Don't be a jerk, and um, don't drink and drive. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the, and, uh, that, that's the Perth Heat motto right there, or something. Yeah. And don't speed. Don't speed when you're driving in the car. They've got speed traps everywhere. You know, they've got um, booze busts. They've got um, little tripods. They'll hide off the side of the road. Um, that'll flash you. You won't even see them. Um, so just do the right thing. Respect respect the people. Yeah. Uh, be a be a great club person. Do everything that they ask you to do, and you will have an amazing time. I, I like that you said be a good club person twice because what? that was what I was going to get to next. Is because you're just reiterating it because how important it is is the fact that all the Australians there are not getting paid to play and that they're paying to play and volunteering their time. That as an import coming in, even though you are technically you know compensated a little bit in flights or, or whatever the case is um you and, and then there's certain um expectations within you know the contract like okay we want you to coach a youth team um maybe you have to do some field maintenance once a week or whatever these club minimal expectations are 
Yeah. Um, I feel like anyone coming in should realize, okay, that's what I'm kind of paid to do or expected to do, but you should go over and above that uh, because since those guys volunteer X amount of their time, I feel like a, a, an import coming in should also go over and above and, and volunteer a certain amount of their time. And if you come in, you know, with that mind frame and, and do that, then um, you're just gonna, it's just going to make the experience that much more enjoyable. But if you come in and kind of do the bare minimum and kind of like the bare minimum of what they expect in you, then, um, you know, that you may not be so welcomed into the family and may not enjoy the experience as much. Um, so, you know, and this is what it's, that this is what's important to the clubs. It's just to have right. a guy to come in and, and that's just going to fit right in with the club and, and be a good teammate and a good club guy. So, Yeah, the, and again, they'll, they'll put the details of, they'll send you a contract, they'll offer you a contract, and they'll list the things that, that, um, that they want you to do. And, you know, before you hop on that plane and you agree, you agree to it, you know, when your feet hit the ground there, that's what, you're, that's what ex- is expected of you. Mm-hmm. And, and if you don't do that again, it's just going to cause it's going to cause a lot of problems, and it's not going to make it fun, like you said. And they're probably not going to want you to come back the next year mm-hmm. at, at, at any club because if they find out that you're not a good import and you're not a good club person and a and a team player, you good luck to you. Yeah, you know? and they will find uh, out because any clubs looking at potentially bringing you over uh, in a following season the first thing they're going to do is check in with that club and if you don't yeah. list that club on your profile um then they're going to ask well you know where have you been playing and uh so i mean there's a gap in your <laughs> there's just no way around it so um cool so a little bit yeah we're already running on 35 minutes but there's a nice. couple more things i wanted to talk about um one of them being um just perth itself like living in perth australia i went to australia backpacking mm-hmm. in 1996-97 winter uh their, oh, wow. their summer and man i wish i i had thought about you know base i wish i wish i knew there was baseball there or or that i could potentially play i would have brought my glove but i didn't uh and i never made it out to perth and everyone i ran into when i was there just you know they had nothing but great things to say about perth and then of course uh, since since the website here uh, and the guys that have been going over there through the website, you know, they have great things to say. But you lived there for nine winters, so mm-hmm. um, yeah. What did you do? What did what were your favorite Perth spots and things to do in Perth? And uh, yeah, maybe you can just share a little bit about that lifestyle. Well, I again when I first went over there, I played for a club that was a bit on the outskirts of, of the major metropolitan area. And I don't know if you've guys seen on YouTube, but they've got like the 70th uh, most dangerous animals in the world, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh. So there's there was a few encounters with, uh, with some of those. You've got, as you get outside of the city, anywhere in Australia, when you get out, when you get off the unbeaten path, um, you'll, you will encounter some snakes or you've got to, you've got to have, your eye open for them. Um, so there was a few encounters with those. Um, um, they've got spiders. They've got big huntsman spiders. I mean, um, as big as your hand. Yeah. You get up in your those. palm of your hand. Oh, oh. Now, those those huntsman spiders aren't poisonous, yeah. but, um, yeah. you know, they'll bite you. They're scary as hell. Um, but, yeah, they are pretty pretty ugly looking. Yeah. Um, so there's a few encounters there. So that was 
the first eye opener for me. Yeah, but obviously yeah, driving. Sorry, quick question on that. Uh, but is it really that big a concern? Like, are you reading in the paper every day? Okay, this another person died from a snake bite, or it's pretty much you get bit, you go to the hospital, you're better, kind of thing. Yeah, it is. They've got cures for all that. It's not a big danger to yeah. really. Uh, but as your first year, you're always you're always looking. There's not, yeah, it's it's fine. So, um, but after that, um, yeah, it was a it, it was a lot of fun. I, and then the following years, I I moved myself closer to the beach. Um, and again, the beaches are immaculate, um, white sand beaches, mm-hmm. um, just absolutely amazing. Something like I've never seen before. I mean, I grew up in Portland, Oregon, um, an hour and a half from the coast. Um, and it's a beautiful coast there, but nothing I think I had ever seen um, in Perth, Western Australia. And all the beaches are nice in Australia, but I got to give Perth some love and say it's it's out of all the beaches I've seen, the Perth beaches are by far the best in the world. Yeah, um, and they're packed. They're a lot of fun. Throwing the American football around on the beach, getting out in the in the ocean. Yeah, there's sharks, but. It's not like you open the paper every day and somebody's um, getting their leg bit off. Um, they've got the the um, the spotter helicopters that fly over. They've got the the sirens. They've got underwater detectors and things like that. So um, it's fun. I was just never that type of person that would go out farther than the masses. You know, yeah. um, I keep it I keep it a little bit closer to shore. But man, getting on the 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 boogie board. Um, I never tried surfing. To be honest, I'm not a big water lover, but um, I, um, but I love getting out there and just soaking it up a little bit in the uh, the shallow waters and and enjoying it. Yeah, and it's a lot of fun because as an import, you you know you become friends with the, with the other imports at the other clubs, and you guys start hanging out at the beaches together, and you know they become your buddies, and everybody kind of. You know, the imports, we look out for each other a bit. Yeah. Um, we're there for support. But um, Perth's amazing. So I love hanging around baseball. It was my It's my true passion. Um, I loved having the opportunity to experience the night scene as well, you know, when I was a little bit younger, when I was over there. Um, but just love the beach. I love the beach. I love the sun. It's fun. It's great baseball. It's great people, great culture amazing beaches it's the time the time in my life it was really well you must have enjoyed it. you went back nine times so um uh, and, and okay so okay. you mentioned at the beginning of the interview and to wrap it up um you mentioned you're in germany so you know one would think maybe you've settled in australia but you've settled in germany so um i'll just let you explain how that came about i'll try to keep it short um right. in a nutshell um, while I was in Australia, I met a German girl. She, she's backpacking, and she rolled through. When, um, I was, at the time, I was living at a bachelor house, and she rolled in. I don't know how. I won't get into details. But, um, yeah, we came, she decided to stay for a few weeks, and we became friends. And, and over the years, yeah, we, we ended up together, and I ended up marrying her. Mm-hmm. And she fell pregnant. We got married in Las Vegas and actually gave birth. We gave birth to our son, Noah, in Australia. So he was born in Australia. 
And then it was time to make a decision. Well, we need some family around. We need most, more support. So it was either head back to the U.S. or go to Germany and Europe. Um, and that raised an eyebrow to me and definitely interested in experiencing what Europe had to offer. Yeah. So we packed up. I left everything behind. Um, I'll always be thankful for what Australia um, enabled me to, to create and position myself here. And now I'm in, I'm in Germany. I've been here two years. We have a local baseball team here, the Louis Hornets, mm-hmm. who play in the second Bundesliga. They used yeah. to be in the first Bundesliga, but um, they're in the second, which is very com- very comparable to what the AAA level would be in okay. Perth, Australia, the second mm-hmm. Bundesliga. I would say the first Bundesliga is very good. It probably is a step above the Perth State League. The first, oh, really? Oh, okay. The yeah, first I was going state. to. I was going to ask. Now, are you? You? I'm, I'm. I'm sorry. I believe you're in the north of Germany, then, mm-hmm. uh, or north northwest, right? I'm in the southwest part of Germany. Southwest. I live. Um, right. I live five minutes from the France border. I live uh, about two hours south of Cologne. Okay, so you. Um, so you're more familiar with the southern division of the, of the mm. of the German Bundesliga. Exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Which is the stronger of the two? From what people say, I don't want to. Sure. They've got some great, great baseball fields. I mean, the second league is is awesome. The first league, um, I'm not. I don't have much experience with the first league. I know quite a few guys. I know some of your IBC uh, members that are playing in the first league, who I had coached with and coached mm-hmm. against and played against in Australia. Um, Jack Shannon, obviously yeah. Owen Reed, yeah. um, Gabe Sanderson, and and so forth so yeah i'm here I'm, I'm getting a chance to coach baseball all around europe or sorry all around germany when i first moved here i went to the european baseball coaches convention that was in prague yeah. and i used that as a networking ground and a chance to to get my feet going and meet people because that's what i like to do I yeah. love, i'm a baseball baseball dude yeah and that really helped. I met um, guys like Marty Bruner at Regensburg, mm-hmm. who's been a, a baseball pioneer in Germany. He's done a lot of great, great things, and their facilities in Regensburg are amazing. amazing. Yeah, yeah. You know, they've got um, they've got a double A field there, and um, you know, I networked myself around again while I've been here. I've had the opportunity to continue coaching cricket in Europe, up in up in Middlesex this past year. And uh, I'm wow. still pursuing opportunities with the ICC and with some of the national teams. So that's an ongoing, um, those are ongoing events right now. Mm-hmm. But um, recently, again, through all the networking I've done, um, I recently accepted a job uh, working for Major League Baseball Scouting Bureau as a consultant. Mm-hmm. So I am covering parts of, of Western Europe. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to just getting out there seeing the baseball because because of guys like max kepler in the big leagues um mm-hmm. it's it, he's really helped put baseball on the map in europe overall yeah and there's a lot of great things happening here it's growing there's a bit of a buzz and there's some really great players young players that are up and coming Most so definitely. it's going to be exciting to yeah. see to see it progress yeah yeah definitely I, and you know that 
I got another mate here now in Australia that uh, well, eventually we'll meet in person. You're not too far from where I'm at, so uh, maybe we'll meet in Regensburg and catch a game or something sometime. Um, and you've also joined the IBC staff recently. Obviously, your wealth of knowledge. So, kind of as a, a consultant, and uh, you know, we're going to. Your, I'm sure your position will evolve from there. Um, you know, down the road, and uh, but as a recruiter as well. And uh, so, I mean, there's so many directions, and you got. So many directions, uh, you know, your um, presence in Europe could go um, with MLB. And, uh, you know, I think you got a lot of great things to come. And uh, it's pretty interesting. I love the story. And, uh, you know, I think anybody that's listening to this is going to be inspired, uh, especially if they're kind of looking for a change uh, in something new and adventurous. And, uh, you know, just look at what, you know, what overseas baseball has done for you. So, um Thanks for sharing your story. It's a pleasure. It is. It's um, both of us share that passion of um, being able to help guys connect with teams and experience overseas baseball. And again, that's why I'm excited to to be helping you out and be involved with the IBC. Um, it's pretty neat. It's pretty. I want I want guys to be able to have the opportunities to experience and create things for themselves as I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, there's it's a long list. There's no telling what it can lead into, um, but it's pretty exciting. It's it's and what you're doing, David. Again, I've I've seen before. I I've teamed up with you. I've, I've read your posts. I've really enjoyed all the the recent podcasts and interviews that you've done with with the previous guys because I could relate. Um, and so was, I think it was just a natural, a very easy thing for both of us to say, hey, let's let's team up because we can help more people. Yeah, so I'm excited to be a part of the team. Thanks for having me. No, I, I'm I'm very happy to have you on board, and um, you know, just with with your experience alone and your wealth of knowledge as far as uh, baseball in Western Australia is concerned, uh, alone will be very helpful. So uh, I mean, I, I like bouncing ideas off each other too, and uh, I think we have that same kind of entrepreneurial mind as well, and we both have that same passion for helping guys experience what we have. So. Uh, it's a it's a no brainer. So, <laughs> so yeah. If you're listening to this podcast um, and you're inter- interested in in overseas baseball, get on with the IBC. Enroll as a gold member. We're going to help you guys experience things that you never have in your life, and um, you can thank us later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> with a testimonial, I always ask for the testimonial, and they're always happy to give it. So, and I love hearing it. You know, and sometimes I don't ask; they just reach out and they just say thank you and, and I love those thank you emails man they're great so um, perfect that's about that's not bad 49 minutes I think that's uh, you know considering you spent nine years overseas I think we summed it up pretty good in, in 50 minutes so um, definitely it was a pleasure thanks for having me David yep we'll be in touch and uh, yeah enjoy the rest of your Monday afternoon Thanks for listening, everybody. That was episode number 65 with Ryan Sherman. And I want to thank Ryan for sharing his remarkable story. Very inspirational. Uh, I'm sure a number of you are now pumped on playing overseas. Uh, If you're a minor leaguer, keep in mind, it's going to be a little bit of hard work. It's going to be a little different. You're going to have to get your hands dirty a bit, but it can lead to bigger and better things. Um, If you're still chasing that MLB dream, uh, it still could be a stepping stone for you, but you're going to have to come with an open mind and, uh, yeah, enjoy the experience. So, once again, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you on episode number 65. Nope, 66. 
Take care, everybody. Ciao.